0: Chapter 47 of the storybook of science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The storybook of science by Jean-Henré Fabré. Translated by Florence Bicknell. Chapter 47. The story of Pliny. To teach you what the cinders thrown up by a volcano can do, I am now going to tell you a very old story, just as it was transmitted to us by a celebrated writer of those old times. This writer is called Pliny. His writing is in Latin, the great language of those days. It was in the year 79 of our era. Contemporaries of our savior were still living. Vesuvius was then a peaceful mountain, it was not terminated then as to-day by a smoking cone but by a table-land slightly concave the remains of an old filled-up crater where thin grasses and wild vines grew very fertile crops covered its sides two populous towns herculaneum and pompeii lay stretched at its base the old volcano which seemed forever lulled and whose last eruptions went back to times beyond the memory of man suddenly awakened and began to smoke on the twenty-third of august about one o'clock in the afternoon an extraordinary cloud sometimes white sometimes black was seen hovering over vesuvius impelled violently by some subterranean force it first rose straight up in the form of a tree-trunk then after attaining a great height it sank down under its own weight and spread out over a wide area now there was at that time at messina a seaport not far from versuvius an uncle of the author who has handed down these things to us he was called pliny like his nephew he commanded the roman fleet stationed at this port He was a man of great courage never retreating from any danger if he could gain new knowledge or render aid to others Surprised at the singular cloud that hovered over Vesuvius Pliny immediately set out with his fleet to go to the aid of the menaced coast towns and to observe the terrible cloud From a nearer point the people at the foot of Vesuvius were fleeing in haste wild with fear He went to the side where all were in flight and where the peril appeared the greatest Fine cried Jules courage comes to you when you're with those who are not afraid I love plenty for hastening to the volcano to learn about the danger. I should like to have been there Alas my poor child you would not have found it a picnic burning cinders mixed with calcined stones were falling on the vessels the sea lashed to fury was rising from its bed the shore encumbered with debris from the mountain was becoming inaccessible there was nothing to do but retreat the fleet came to land at stapii where the danger still distant but all the time approaching had already caused consternation in the meantime from several points on versuvius great flames burst forth their terrifying glare rendered more frightful by the darkness caused by the cloud of cinders to reassure his companions pliny told them that these flames came from some abandoned villages caught by the fire he told them that to give them courage jules conjectured but he himself well knew the truth of the matter he knew it well he knew the danger was great nevertheless overcome by fatigue he fell into a deep sleep now while he slept The cloud reached Stabii. Little by little the court leading to his apartment was filled with cinders, so that in a short time he would not have been able to get out. They woke him to prevent his being buried alive and to deliberate on what was to be done. The houses, shaken by continual shocks, seemed to be torn from their foundations. They swayed from side to side. Many fell. It was decided to put to sea again a shower of stones was falling small ones it is true and calcined by the fire as a protection from them the men covered their heads with pillows and going through the most horrible darkness hardly relieved by the light of the torches they carried they made their way toward the shore there pliny sat on the ground a moment to rest when violent flames accompanied by a strong smell of sulphur put everybody to flight he rose and then instantly fell back dead. The emanations, cinders, and smoke from the volcano had suffocated him. Poor Pliny, to be stifled to death like that by that horrible mountain, and he so courageous lamented Jules. Whilst the uncle was dying at Stabii, the nephew, left at Messina with his mother, was witness of what he relates to us. The night after my uncle's departure, he tells us, The earth began to tremble violently my mother hastened in alarm to awaken me She found me getting up to go and waken her as the house threatened to collapse We sat outside in the court not far from the sea With the carelessness of youth. I was then 18. I began to read a friend of my uncle's came along Seeing my mother and me both of us seated and me with a book in my hand He blamed us for our confidence and induced us to look out for our safety Although it was seven o'clock in the morning, we could hardly see, the air was so obscured. At times buildings were so shaken that their fall was imminent at any moment. We followed the example of the rest and left the town. We stopped some distance off in the country. The wagons that were brought away swayed continually with the shaking of the ground. Even with their wheels blocked with stones, they could hardly be held in place. The sea flowed back on itself driven from the shore by the earthquake shocks it receded from the beach and left a multitude of fish dry on the sand a horrible black cloud came toward us on its flanks were serpentine lines of fire like immense flashes of lightning soon the cloud descends covering earth and sea Then my mother begs me to flee with all the speed of my youth and not to expose myself to imminent death by adapting my pace to hers, weighed down as she was by years. She would die content if she knew I was out of danger. And Pliny left his old mother behind in order to get away the faster, queried Jules. No, my child, he did what you would all have done. He remained sustaining and encouraging her, resolved to save himself with her, or else die with her. Good cried Jules the nephew was worthy of his uncle and then what happened? Then it was frightful cinders began to fall Darkness descended so intense that they could see nothing there was general confusion outcry and moaning Wild with terror the people fled at random knocking down and treading on those who were in their way the greater part were convinced that that night was the last the eternal night that was to swallow the world mothers went groping for their children lost in the crowd or perhaps crushed under the feet of the fugitives they called them with doleful cries to embrace them once more and then die pliny and his old mother had seated themselves apart from the crowd from time to time they were obliged to get up and shake off the cinders which would soon have buried them at last the cloud dispersed and daylight reappeared the earth was unrecognizable everything had disappeared under a thick shroud of calcined dust and the houses were they buried in the cinders asked emile at the foot of the mountain the dust thrown up by the volcano lay deeper than the height of the tallest houses and whole towns had disappeared under the enormous bed of cinders amongst these were herculaneum and pompeii the volcano buried them alive with the inhabitants inquired jules with a small number for most of them like pliny and his mother had time to flee to messina Today, after being buried eighteen centuries herculaneum and pompeii are exhumed by the miner's pick just as they were when caught by the cloud of volcanic cinders vineyards cover them where they are not yet cleared these vineyards then are the roofs of houses said Emil higher than the roofs of houses the traveller who visits the quarters not yet uncovered but made accessible by means of wells dug for the purpose descends underground to a great depth chapter forty seven